Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. This is Anne-Marie Lockhart, and you're listening to Vox Poetica's 15 Minutes of Poetry. And I'm here today with a wonderful lady from uh, the Virginia Beach area, Frida Landau. Thank you for joining me, Frida. Thank you for having me. We're going to start with a reading, if you will. Uh, okay, uh, this is from the introduction uh, of my book, In the Shadow of the Shoah. Shoah is the uh, Hebrew word for Holocaust. The past is always there, barely glimpsed through the corner of your eye. A presence felt more than seen, tugging at your mind, catching you unawares, casting a long shadow, subsuming the future. And that's pretty much what happened when I started writing poetry. Mm-hmm. Tell me yeah, about the, the first thing that you wrote. In poetry? Uh, yeah. Let me see. Uh, real poetry as opposed to song parodies, which I've been doing since I was a little girl, uh, <laughs> was I started writing poetry six months after my father died. And the first hmm. poem I ever wrote was about winter. Hmm. And for some reason, I wrote it as haikus. Hmm. For some reason. And um, I think I know the reason now, because whenever someone dies or celebrates a milestone or something close to me, I tend to memorialize it in a haiku. Mm. And I have no idea why, so don't ask. It just worked out like that. It's the subject determines the form, I think. Well, that's, you know, and that's a question that I had specifically for you. Uh, you your poetry, the poetry that I've read of yours, that I published at Vox, that we, we uh, shared at, at the workshop where we met, mm. is to be um, short poetry that makes a point, very um, powerful. And I know you write other things outside of poetry, too. And I, and I think what's great about that is you seem to really do a great job telling a complete story in different formats. So I'm, I'm curious about how you decide when to write a haiku or when to write a free-form poem or when to write a story, an actual story. When, how do you know? How does your, your story make its way to its form? Actually, I really don't know. It just seems the right form. There are mm. some uh, stories, shall we say, or that demand very pissy language yeah. and very short and then there are others that um, want to be longer. Um, some of them want to be written in rhyme, that's, and some free form, although I tend to use iambic pentameter a lot for some reason. Mm-hmm. As I said, I really can't tell you specifically why one particular poem is in that form, or even a story. It's seems what best fits what I want to say, and that's the only way I can describe it. 
when um, when you're writing a poem, so mm-hmm. um, the, uh, I think a lot of your poetry tends to be about relationships, um, yeah. and that's where a lot of the power comes from. Um, how many drafts do you usually go through when writing a poem, from start to first, from first idea to final product? Um. Well, it depends on what you call draft. <laughs> uh, I find that I don't commit anything to paper or disc until it's more or less clear in my mind. Hmm. And then as I write it down or type it, I self-edit. Hmm. Sometimes, so sometimes it, even as you're writing it, it becomes something a little different. Yes, and hmm. sometimes I don't even know yeah. what, or sometimes I'm surprised. Yeah. Because I had started one thing and it turns into something else. It's a very, yeah. I think poetry, um, for me, comes from my unconscious. It's the only thing I can think of. Yeah. I can write poems to order, you know, specific yeah. subjects and stuff like that. But the work that gives me the most satisfaction is are the poems that uh, just seem to emerge whole. Without, yeah. It's almost like I, it's almost like I'm taking dictation. I have no control over the actual content. Yeah, so it's kind of like um, a process that takes off on its own, and it's a little freeing in a way, it sounds like, what you're saying. Yes, it takes off on its own, and uh, in weird, sometimes weird times and weird places, usually it wakes me from a sound sleep, which is why I have a notebook and pen on my bedside table. Yeah. Because I really don't want to get up and go to the computer. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes um, I find myself looking at things and people and events. Um, the best I can say is um, as if I were writing a poem about it. Hmm. And the poem just uh, sort of oozes out. And, um, when when that's happening, like in that moment for you where you're experiencing something and it, it takes on that, you feel it's a poem, you know, kind of coming together. Um, yes. Do you ever, like, mention it in the moment, you know, whoever you're with, or say, hey, hold on, i got to just write this down? <laughs> Does that, yes. or do you put, how, do you, how do you hold on to it for later? Um, I write a note. I'll mm-hmm. try to remember it. But uh, I remember once my husband and I were having an argument, and we were going at it hammer and tongs, and all of a sudden I stopped dead. And my husband looked at me, what's the matter, what's the matter? I said, oh, I just figured out the poem I need for my story. <laughs> and, you know, as I said, well, he collapsed laughing. He thought it was a funny thing. But... Uh, that's pretty much how it works with me. I don't know how it works with other people. 
Hmm. Everyone has their way. I think that's kind of one of the interesting things. I get to talk to people about what works for them. I get so many good ideas talking to people about how they write. It's amazing. Um, You you have something else to read for us? That would be awesome. Okay. Um, I mean, not all my poetry is depressing, but I thought I'd read you this one, which I wrote after my husband died. Um, It's called No Mind, a Whetstone. No mind a whetstone to my own. Illusions fly past uncaught. Pleasures of the mind, pleasures of the body, inexorably intertwined, buried in your grave. Nothing to fill the now hollow place where Logos and Eros once danced with delight. Now that one we did publish at Vox um, back Mm. in November of 2012. Mm. And... um, what I liked about it was it's it's just such a powerfully emotional poem. It says so much in those few short lines. The imagery is gorgeous. And um, it, it, to me, it's a very classic example of your poetry, which I wouldn't call it depressing, but I think you do delve into um, some dark terrain with your poems. You don't, you know, it, a lot of the poems that you write have an edge to them. There's a Sometimes there's like a sly humor in some of them, but the message is very clear and it's it's usually very sharp. Um, and I think that's that's something that um, poetry can can kind of give dimension to in a way. It's, it's sometimes a little harder to do that with a more fleshed out story. Um, when I when I read your work, um, this last one that you just read, the first one, and, and even some of the others, numerology is another one that appeared at Vox. Um, what I what I like about it is the way some of the lines that you write almost stand on their own, and it it kind of makes me wonder: do do you write from a line base sometimes, or like does a does a phrase come to you and that's where you go with the poem, or that's where it starts, or you know it's got to be in there somewhere, or does the language follow the concept? Um, both. Some poems, a line, I get a line or a phrase, or an image, yeah. and the poem follows from there. Yeah. Other times, um, the content is first, and sometimes I start a poem, and by the time I finish it, it's not what I had planned at all. Hmm. Do you but ever throw so out like a draft, like you started with something and then it didn't go where you wanted, so you just got rid of it? Does that happen, or do you always hold on for maybe later excavation? Um, usually with pens. Uh, hmm. I write ideas down in a notebook and lines and phrases. I recently found a poem uh, that I started about three, four years ago and totally forgot about, and I was going through an old notebook looking for something, and there it was. <laughs> and uh, I think I actually finished it. It's, it it's in my notebook I don't think I ever wrote it down but as I said I started to look at the world with a metaphoric eye I guess yeah. I'm also a photographer yeah. so that also I think influences my poetry to yeah. take up picture 
yeah. a scene or an action or something. Do you That's find the like the uh, composition of a photograph and the composition of a poem are kind of similar exercises for you? Yes, yes. Mm. <clears throat> uh, which is really funny because most of my photography was military related and action pictures and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, where you don't really have any control over what you're taking. Hmm. Except the only... Yeah, sorry. I I just, that's an interesting concept because you're right. you're, You're kind of capturing what's already happening, not writing, not creating your own image out of something. It's what's there already. You're kind of just distilling it down. Yeah, that's a good description, I think. Was that something that you applied to your writing, like that kind of a concept? Or is some of the, um, I can create this on my own part of writing, a part of its own appeal? Or do you find like that capturing what's already there, the, the thing that ties both the photography and the writing itself together? Okay, this is all subconscious. This is, you know, mm. me trying to figure it out. But I think the photography and the poetry both try to capture and preserve mm. what's fleeting. Mm-hmm. It's an attempt to anchor something that's, that will float away. That's the mm-hmm. way I can describe it. I think it's a beautiful way to describe it. Thank and I you. think it does that. You know, I think that the work of yours that I've read absolutely does do that. It conveys a feeling, an emotion, and a moment, you know, which is really something otherwise would be, it would pass away. You wouldn't be able to hold on to it. So that's that is a, a, something that you do very well. What? Um, tell us about your book, Frida. Uh, okay, the poetry book, Shadow of Noah, is based my life in. I'm a Holocaust survivor, and that has colored my life in ways that I don't think I understand fully. Hmm. It wasn't until I started writing poetry that I realized just how much of the collective past Hmm. has influenced who I am. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I grew up thinking it was perfect normal to talk about friends who were burned in the ovens. Yeah. I, as a little kid, I used to picture, you know, uh, bread ovens or pizza ovens, the kind where only one body goes in at a time. Yeah. You know, or like the Hansel and Gretel witch's oven. Yeah. And again, it wasn't too much later that I discovered, one, it wasn't quite like that, and two, not everybody thought that was normal. <laughs> <laughs> so we uh, <laughs> I think that sensibility um colors everything I write. Yeah, I I can see that. I mean, I, there are times when you write overtly uh, about about that particular um 
experience those particular experiences. There are other poems that you write, though, that have nothing to do with the Holocaust, but that carry um, a very, very a potent sense of uh, mortality and of um, darkness that I think is, is definitely a, on a similar um, emotional plane. And I could I could see that it's almost like the uh, the shadow in, in an image with a lot of light. You know, it's there and it's it's there in a lot of what you do. Um, how how does yeah. it feel when you write a poem? You know, um, I'm thinking specifically of one that you wrote called Small Talk. Um, ah, yes. Uh, that was an actual conversation. Mm. in front of a synagogue on um, the uh, the Jewish New Year. I overheard this conversation between um, two women, and later some others joined them. And I don't know what is more horrible, the fact that these things happened or that these people can talk so casually about it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Was, it, they were talking about uh, uh, going shopping, you know, yeah. or which early bird dinner is the best. And yeah. They're talking about soldiers killing pregnant women and ripping out the babies. And if the baby was alive, they would smash the baby's head against the wall. Yeah. And. As I said, I don't know which I find more horrifying. Yeah. When when um when you heard that conversation, did you know in that immediate moment that you were gonna write about that? I think so. Yeah. I think so. Um I was actually born when those events in the middle of those events. Yeah. Because I was I was born in the middle of a post-war pogrom in Poland. Hmm. So I think that conversation hit me very hard. Absolutely. Absolutely. When, um, what is your, what is your earliest memory? My very earliest memory? Gee, I must have been about two years old and in Munich. Mm -hmm. And I was, stepped off the curb, and I was with my nanny, and she pulled me back. That's mm-hmm. the earliest thing I can remember. It's, it's amazing to me the way that um, the past is always very close, but the way um, no matter how many different lives we kind of move through in the course of the one we're given, we can just simply stretch out an arm and touch pieces of it and bring it back right up front. And I think that's something that's very palpable in your work. You know, like I said, it's almost like the shadow in the light, but it's there in everything. And even when you're not talking about a specific experience, it it underlies, it supports the story in each of those little pieces that you're telling. Um, It just adds a lot of dimension to it. And I think it goes back to what you said about some of the writing itself being subconscious. These are things that are being pulled out as you write, and they just fill up this greater, bigger story in each of these very small pieces. Um, I think, yeah, I think you're right about that. Um, as I said, I'm not even aware 
sometimes what yeah. I'm writing, just that it wants to be written. Tell me about how, uh, when, when, when you go about writing your longer works, you know, um, the bigger stories, the, the sci-fi novel, for example. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I've had an idea for a science fiction novel rattling around my head for about 10 years. And um, last year, it, I decided, well, if I'm going to ever do it, I better get started. Um, it's sort of, um, it's got a lot, it's going to have a lot of politics mm-hmm. and and there are going to be relationships that are important and war, mm. but not so much the war itself as the effects of the war. Mm. Because um, my two main characters is a, a, wo- a woman who is in the military uh, who grew up on another planet and mm. thinks herself not so much doesn't think of Earth as her home, but it's closest to the people on the planet she grew up on. And a politician, the son of a senator, who everybody thought uh, was a lightweight, who turns out to be one of the most skillful politicians in a long time. And the two of them get together to try to... I'm not sure quite how to say this, not to solve the problems, but to really prevent further disaster. Hmm. And um, see where it's going. I've got, uh, I postulate that uh, there have been a number of crises on Earth, wars about oil, wars about water, climate Hmm. change, and the countries were forced into regional cooperation, which eventually developed into um, a format similar to um, the United States, where countries have their own internal, they run their own internal affairs, but foreign affairs, uh, things like that, there is a president and a senate. Hmm. How different so, is that process of writing something that big in scope and story and I, I sheer word count from when you pick up a poem and write that, you know? How hard is it to get into the right mindset, I guess, to do this? It's different. Yeah. It's hard. Um, as I said, with poems or fiction or nonfiction, um, I've got to get it clear in my head before I can t- commit the paper. So yeah. um, it's done in sections. Uh, some sections just flow. Others, every word is torture. It's, it's, <laughs> and also, um, my work tends to be character-driven. And if I try to make a character do something that is not what the character would do, hmm. I can't write it. Hmm. And characters it, change yeah. what I'm going to write. I, one of my characters in the prologue, I had his name and everything, and 
when I started to write, uh, it was totally different. Yeah. And yeah. Um, it worked much better than what I had originally <laughs> planned. But sometimes it surprises me. <laughs> you know, I think I'm writing one thing, and when I reread it, I realize I've read something else, and what I wrote was better than what I planned. <laughs> Do you dedicate time um, every day or every week to writing in one form or another? Or do you just go with however you feel on a given day? Yeah, I try dedicating, and I just yeah. stare at blank pages. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, as I said, while I'm doing other things, the story works out, and when a part is ready to be written, I sit down and write it. Yeah. And, and you do that uh, on paper or on the, on the computer? Now I do it on the computer. I used to yeah. do it on paper first when I was first starting out, uh, but now I just do it on the computer. Doing it on paper is a waste of time. <laughs> I also, agree. I can't read my own handwriting sometimes. <laughs> so uh, it's just easier now on the computer. And We're, um, go, well, it's easier to manipulate after you're done, too, isn't it? And moving stuff around is just so much easier on the computer yes, than on the pages. My God. And when you yeah. change a name or something, you can just go to find and replace. Right. It's so much, much easier. Much easier than crossing out. Especially when you're getting into a novel-length project. I mean, that's just forever. You can't do that. I can't even imagine doing that on paper. <laughs> uh, no, I can't either. Um, <laughs> as I said, um, I just, uh, once I became comfortable with the computer, um, it just seemed a waste to write it on paper. Yeah. We're all out of time, Frida. I would love for you to give us one more reading as we say goodbye. Okay, this is a poem I started. Um, I have no idea if I'm going to finish it, but I started <laughs> started it last year when I was driving up to Virginia Beach from South Florida. It's called April on I-95 North. Purple-pink wildflowers and kudzu-bearded pines. Sad cypress and weeping willows commiserate in the rain. Snowbirds speeding north in Porsches and Escalades, mindful only of the flashing red and blue lights. Rest areas littered with vans disgorging children. RVs and trailers vie with 18-wheelers for shaded spots. Truck stops cheap gas and cheaper Disney tickets. Harleys grumble at crack rockets buzzing by. That's as far as I got. <laughs> it's very visual. I can see it all. Yeah, as I said, this I sort of wrote while I was driving. So, And when I stopped for the night, uh, that's what I got. I may finish it or I may not. When you, when you say you're not sure if you're ever going to finish it, do you think that there are things you you specifically want to add to it or you're still waiting for it to find its course? Um, there are some things I'd like to add, mm. but I'm not sure. So when it's, as I said, when it's ready to be finished, it will be finished. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the only way I can describe it. And it's a good way to describe it. I I like the way that sounds. It works for me. (laughs) Yep, that's 
just, you know, I don't know about other people, but that's how it works with me. <laughs> Frida, we got to go. I want to thank you for uh, taking the time to talk to us and to read to us some of your poetry today. It was a lot of fun for me. It was fun for me, too. And thank you um, for having me. That was Frida Landau, everyone. I urge you to uh, find her work and read it. Uh, Frida, outside of Vox Poetica, which, by the way, there are a number of your poems at Vox Poetica, so anyone looking for those can find them there. Where else can we find your work? Okay, uh, my book, In the Shadow of the Shoah, is available on Kindle and Nook, and also from Amazon in paperback. The cover of the book is a, a painting um, from a very talented Israeli artist, um, Let's see if I can get his name right. I, uh, damn. He um, he he works in South Florida. Hmm. I can't find it. I can never pronounce. <laughs> I know I'm being. Uh, where it's cover art. Cover, Egal Fadida is his name. Hmm. Okay. He's very talented. And there's um, some of my other stuff can be found in various uh, publications, including On Our Own, which was um, published by uh, Silver. God, I can't read it. By uh, Silver um, uh, Press. I think it's called Silver Boomer Books. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's various places. Some of my work can be found on um, uh, Poetica, which is um, yep. a very good magazine, by the way. And 